0: Welcome to Industrial Marketing Live. I'm Aaron Burrish, a strategist here at the Industrial Marketing Agency, Gorilla 76, and one of your IML hosts today. Um, for everyone that's here live, this is a very exciting day. Um, it's a huge milestone. Episode 50 of IML. 50! Thank you. Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and our topic Anatomy today... <laughs> Our topic today is a really good one. Um, we have uh, John Franco in the house, um, and we're talking about culture. So one of the biggest challenges that manufacturing companies face, we're all well aware of, is labor, both finding new labor, um, retaining the great workforce that you have. Um, and while you know a lot of things go into that challenge and solving it, marketing can't do it alone, but it is something we can influence. And it's also something that kind of influences our work as well. So today we're going to be talking about building a strong culture, how that can kind of become your North Star internally and externally. um, And we have some very qualified people here to talk about that. So John Franco is a co-founder of Guerrilla 76 and our uh, very own culture-building champion. So I'll kind of hand it over to him to introduce himself and kind of talk about why culture matters um, to him.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here. A lot of pressure. I, I, I really don't get nervous very often, but I am nervous today because I'm seeing all these people that I look up to and I'm connected with on LinkedIn. And here we are talking about something that that's really near and dear to kind of my role and and just my my life in general and my philosophy I think but yeah as Aaron said I'm one of the co-founders of gorilla we're actually let's see here May of I'm thinking back May of May of 2008 is when Joe and I took this business full-time so we just had the 15th anniversary there but July of 2006 is actually when we started full-time so 17 years doing this and I think Probably in the first ten years, we really didn't know what we were doing from a culture standpoint. Um, I think we thought we had some ideas, and like anything else, we've we've learned from our missteps. And I think what I, what I have seen since is once we've started to get it, what I think is right, and and what the numbers tell us is right, uh, the business side of things have kind of followed that same trajectory. Um, it, we're, we're we're doing well. Um, landing new business, retention rates are going up. So as we all know, it's tough to find good people. And that's why I think this is such an important topic. Keep and er, find and keep good people, I should say. So I'm, I'm excited. And and what, Brendan, you just got here, but you just got home seven or at seven yeah, this morning? Just flew in at seven
2: this morning after a 36-hour travel day. So we're here and I'm excited about this topic. Um, the thing that I've been thinking about, John, is it's It seems like it's different, right? Like we're talking about culture and HR. Elise is here, HR manager from Gorilla 76. And it seems like it's a different function of the business, right? We have HR, we have marketing over here, we do sales over here. And really, if you think about it, like a good culture is really just building a good demand gen program for your internal business. Um, I think we're going to get into like, you know, tactics and strategies that we can use to do that internal marketing piece. Um, I see it as very similar. And there's a lot of things that we're doing on that side of the business that I that really relates well into that external focus, building demand gen with you know your customers. So I'm excited to get into this. Um I'm looking forward to this topic, I'm looking forward to Aaron hosting this one. Uh so yeah, let's uh let's jump into it. Let's do it.
0: So the first kind of question I have here to kick us off is John, you talked about your perspective as a business leader, but you also have experience as a marketer. So putting that marketing hat back on, how do you see um and and Brendan, too, how do you see uh marketing fitting into the uh, culture building equation?
1: yeah i I could kind of jump into that first i I think something that we we've started to realize is i mean really it 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 all comes down to to messaging and in a brand um it comes down to communicating um uh, communicating what matters within a company and how those it's often driven by core values. And I think it's, it's kind of one of those things. And unless you talk about it unless you have a focus on it um, I'm not saying a good culture can't still exist, but it's just like the marketing. We do Um, that message has to get out there. That story has to be told. And I think just naturally as humans, a lot of times we relate better to to something we can identify with, obviously, um, something that that makes sense of, of part of who we want to be a, 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 as as people and as employers and and professionals. So I I, I know this this answer is kind of all over the board right here, but to me it, it's just all messaging. Um, you know, it's we we have messaging tactics to try to go get new business. Why would we not? Why would we not have messaging tactics to go get new people? The the number of times I get on a company's website and they've put all this thought into how they're going to move people through the funnel from a new business standpoint. but, But then you get on their careers page and it's a little paragraph about being an equal opportunity employer, which is very important. I'm not saying that's not important but then like a, a link to some external job board and there's not really any thought put into it. We're not seeing what kind of benefits there are. I'm, I'm not able to get on a, a company's Instagram account to see what the culture is like there. It's just strange to me that we're not focusing more on that, that messaging. Um, if we don't have people to do the work, it doesn't matter how much how much work we can do. Um, and, and obviously attracting that talent is only a part of the equation. You also have to retain those people. Um, And I think that's where you really have to live that message that you're preaching, obviously.
2: Yeah. John, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, we talk about customer research when we're building a demand generation program and doing that, that, you know, that audience building in the beginning and you do the same thing here, right? Like you just don't say, oh, today I want to hire a new marketing person. No, you have to like, like how much is that job title? It's how much is going to cost, right? You do your initial thing, like go and talk to people, Um, you know, what types of responsibilities are they going to have? So you like figure out the position, but then what kind of company do people want to work at? Right. And I think you guys, when I, when I came here, it's been like a year and a half. And you guys kind of just took hold of that. We're going to be a, a modern company post-COVID. And you know we're going to work remote. And we're going to treat adults like adults. I'm um, not saying like a lot of manufacturing companies, that's not probably a realistic thing, right? Like we have to build things in factories. But um, what can you do to highlight that culture? And I think it was just, you, you guys just talked about it all the time. And that's what it excited me about coming here. Um, I've never worked at a company that was like super excited about working there.
1: And it's cool, well, i I think one of the biggest lessons there, Brendan, is i you know, I anyone who's connected with me on LinkedIn knows that I pre- preach remote work all the time. Um that works for a marketing agency. That does not work for a manufacturing agent or a company. And I totally get that. and and I'm not it it's one of those things that it's not right for everyone. I think if it is right for you, um, you need to embrace it what I think the bigger lesson here is that we learned that it was the right thing for us through listening. And I think that's something that Joe and I have grown a lot in as, as leaders of this company is our, our ability to listen. I'm sure anyone who works at Gorilla that's on this call right now, will also know there are things we probably don't listen as well to, and we're still working on that. But I, I remember, so pre-pandemic, just a short little story, pre pandemic we were we had what we called work from home wednesdays really it was work from wherever wednesdays but essentially on a wednesday people could sign on from wherever and and do their work and people loved it pandemic hits we were lucky we could turn on on the switch instantly we already were familiar with zoom we were already you know using slack like crazy er- everything was kind of in place Fast forward until July, I guess, of 2021, I believe it was, I can't remember. Yeah, 2021, I believe. And and the idea was we were going to have, we were going to switch it from work from home Wednesdays to mandatory Mondays, kind of embrace that hybrid model. We were going to have everybody come in on Mondays. What we quickly learned through listening was no one wanted to come in on Mondays. Um, They were open to it and they were willing to do it. But I had a few employees come up to me and say, look, I'll, I'll, I'll come in, but I'm not productive. All I'm doing is catching up with my coworkers because I haven't seen them. I'm now adding this commute again. I can no longer. I remember one particular employee. He liked to like to at lunchtime go out and pick his own vegetables from his garden. He was a big time gardener and make his like use them to make his lunch. And that was really important to him. So he was doing great work. He kind of preferred to just, you know, he, he was in the writing space. So he kind of needed that quiet and that ability to just kind of hone in. And so we quickly turned that off. So again, I'm not saying everyone here should embrace remote work. We all know it's not possible, especially in the manufacturing space. But I think that the bigger lesson here is we learned. We didn't try to just force everyone back. I mean, we did, and it it was like a two-week experiment. And we quickly went back to the to the remote uh kind of setting. And I, I think that again ties into the core values, which ultimately ultimately drive. The culture of the company so you know when when joe and i first started i think we thought culture was what everyone thought beer fridge ping pong table uh you know video games in the office and again i'm talking about from a marketing standpoint because that's what all these agencies do and i think those things are all good and great but really that that core value piece and adhering to that is is probably the bigger lesson here
2: sorry i got a little off topic there yeah. but john I but we see the same thing on the demand side right like audience research into positioning, into usually like a go-to-market narrative, right? To like create the language around that. And I see that like the guerrilla core values as a key foundational document that you use to build your culture out of. Can you talk about the creation process for those values? And, you know, I think like a mission statement could also go in here. You know, like just those things that say like, this is who the company is. Maybe talk about, um, you know, we use the EOS system and we have that VTO, which is another like piece that sets like, this is who the company is. So you just talk about like the, your mindset and the creation of those documents.
1: Yeah. So I admittedly was the guy that anytime anyone brought up core values, I rolled my eyes. I was like, this stuff's dumb, doesn't make sense, no one cares. And, and I think because for the longest time I had seen it done so, uh executed so poorly, print them on a break room wall, you know, walk by them, cheesy poster, whatever. And what I have learned is a like- A picture of a bald eagle. Yeah, a bald know, classic, eagle. with Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Determination. That's right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I I saw I saw it done incorrectly and so I think that was a turnoff but when Joe and I first went through this process and it was admittedly the first time we took a stab at EOS which is a great process to, if if you guys aren't familiar and even if even if you're in a position where you can't really make that type of change at your company I think just professionally um gino wickman's book traction is just a great read it's it's super interesting and then learning about kind of the i mean really all eos is uh the entrepreneurial operating system is basically creating process for your business but the first time we did it we did a light version of it because like everything joe and i do we were like well we think we could probably do this a little better or a little differently or whatever we learned the hard way just follow the process it works there's a reason so many companies use it But in terms of the the core value process, I kind of imagined what was going to happen was we were going to sit down and we were going to be like, who do we want to be? And it was actually the complete opposite. It was more of an unearthing and kind of digging and figuring out who we already were. Uh, we We have four core values that were who we already were. In 2020, we added a fifth that was more aspirational because we knew we could be better there. But our core values are results, improvement, relationships, kindness. Those were the four that we already like were living and breathing and and were unearthed in this process. Inclusivity was something that obviously for a variety of reasons in, in 2020, we all learned the importance of just being being more inclusive. And I I think we do a good job of that in a lot of ways at Gorilla, Mm -hmm. but I think there was a lot of room for improvement. So that was the one aspirational core value that we added that that it kind of, um, that that was the one that kind of put us, it gave us a challenge to to grow, I think. Uh, The other four are just key components. Anyone who's been involved in our hiring process, there's some people in this room who have even gone through our hiring process, I know, Um, obviously the ones who work at Gorilla as well. And it's baked into everything from the start. I mean, it's in it's in the questions we ask. It's it's in the application process, hidden throughout. It's it's woven into all the copy on the website in terms of how we want to per- position ourselves. Again, thinking about it from a marketing standpoint, you know, I'm I, I I'm an outdoorsman. I like to fish and I like to hunt. If I'm if I'm going to if I'm going to go bass fishing, I need bass tackle, right? I I don't want to take my trout fishing tackle to go bass fishing. So whenever you're trying to pursue something obviously you want to be using you want to have those learnings and that knowledge of how to attract that that certain thing so whether that's a new business or whether that's an employee if you want somebody that's going to be matching your core values you need to be go go you need to go out there with the tackle box that is built with those core values included in it if that makes sense sorry you're you're going to get fishing and hunting references today it's just not <laughs> there's no way around it
0: yeah no worries <laughs>
2: So I, I like that, John. I think the first thing when I when I applied at Gorilla, seeing like the, the questions, you know, tell us how I live up to the Gorilla Core values. And like you make like you ask us to write whatever we want in those, in those sections. But that made it feel real to me. You know, I'm also in the army and we have seven values in the army and they're kind of like one of those things you kind of just throw up on the wall and you try to live by them. You know, they beat it into your head in basic training, but like it doesn't really, it doesn't ever come back. Um, So it's just kind of always there in the background. What I like about how you approach our core values here is you ask about it at the beginning. And then once someone's hired and they, you know, we're on a team in Slack, we're always, you know, high-fiving each other and specifically calling out, you know, this person improved this way or this person showed results this way. This person was inclusive this way or demonstrated relationships this way. So when we provide feedback here, we always tie it back into a core value or, you know, for the most part, it gets tied back into a core value, which I think just um, reinforces, those five things and keeps it front and center as we're thinking about you know working at Gorilla day to day, working with our clients, doing IML, you know, doing marketing uh, in the hiring process. So it's just always it's, it makes it more top of mind and yeah. helps to build those five things into that culture and let us build off of that.
1: Yeah, so and, think, and you got to yeah. be intentional. I mean, I think yeah. that's one of the. However, it is for us in a remote setting, we have to be very intentional about giving people those those kudos call outs in the in the in in slack because that's not happening anymore in the break room or on a manufacturing floor or whatever we're remote so we have to be very intentional about those things so i think i think maybe the takeaway here is whatever your ecosystem is how can you be more intentional about bringing that um to life because just like with other marketing word of mouth is powerful right so we have employees that are having a good experience they they go to Glassdoor to write a review. They go to Indeed to write a review. They're posting about the good experience they're having at this company. Well, that's that's word of mouth. That that's that's just as good as a, a client saying, "Oh my god, the results we've gotten from this De- demand gen campaign are amazing." So again, it's it's just marketing. It's just a different audience. Is really yeah. all it is.
0: Yeah, that's the core values conversation is a really great way to talk about like how to be successful with, you know, developing a good culture. But Chris had a good question, like about sometimes what barriers prevent us from implementing those core values and culture. So Chris, did you want to come on and expand and ask that question?
1: Sure. Um, You mentioned, John, that you just don't see it, right? Why is this such a mess for uh most companies and i don't think i'm i'm being extreme when i say most companies so obviously everybody's trying to a lot of people are trying to crack this code right now but what insights have you gotten from working with all these companies i like i think and again this is not based on any research this is not this is just based on my experience they're falling into the same trap that Joe and I fell into when we started Gorilla if you would have told me that giving someone a job was going to be one of the hardest parts about running a business, I would have been shocked. I've got money. I've got this job. I've got security. I have insurance. I I have all these things that I want to give someone, yet it's hard. Um, So I think learning that it's not something you can just phone in was big for us. Um our careers page was bad too and actually I think it's it's not the greatest right now we're we're doing a full um letting you guys in on a secret we're doing a full uh, guerrilla website rebuild right now and the careers section and the people section is going to be an even bigger focus again Chris I think it was just for us it was like oh hiring that's going to be easy but it was so hard I mean hiring's easy but getting the right people hired is is the hard part and I think that's what has shifted since we've started taking it much more seriously. I mean, we just had a design position open and I, at least, I, I we don't have to know the exact number, but I know it was well over 175 applications for a design position, so in like three weeks. So something that we've started doing is, is, is definitely clicking. Um, are there bad applicants in there? Yes. Um all you got to do is look at my LinkedIn. I had one guy that oh my god, it was I always get one fun one anytime I'm hiring, hiring, but um you know, I guess to get back to the point, it's we've just started being again much more intentional and and again thinking about um how important good people are, how how costly turnover is and that that we need to dedicate marketing resources to the hiring and branding of our company and what it's like to work here just as much as we do about or just as much as we do when we go after new business thank you yeah for sure
0: so i know another big piece about culture is how it impacts like internal communications and one thing we have in our notes is like a lot of in-house marketers and industrial companies have some type of like in-house marketing role, right? Like maybe you have an internal newsletter that you're in charge of. Um, I wanted to kind of shift the the conversation there and talk about how marketing kind of influence, how you kind of have to market internally a little bit when it comes to culture. Brendan, John, did you have any thoughts about that?
1: I was just going to plug two of our clients, see what, Todd Emming at the Cordy Company is doing, and Luke is doing at MacTech, who I, I don't know if Luke's on here today or not. I think he's at a trade show, so he might not be. But MacTech and and Cordy are both doing a, a really, really good job. Um, I know one of the coolest things I, I see when I go to the Cordy Company, which is a large design build construction company in just outside of St. Louis. They've been a client for, gosh, probably since 2009, I guess. But you walk in their their space. They have, and this sounds so silly and so simple, but they have T-shirts and hats that people actually want to wear, right? Like they're not the they're not the Hanes beefy tee that like gives you a rash when you wear it. They're actually cool wearable clothes. You walk down the halls. Todd has taken. Uh, they have beautiful big projects that they do all kinds of cool photography with. He's printed them out poster size. They're hung throughout throughout the the building of the company with they're all you know all have the logo on them um everything's a consistent brand but it's just like people want to be part of a winning team right like no one wants to be on the team that's that's not doing well or or it doesn't take pride in themselves so i think it's like anything else if you've got a brand that's kind of beat up and You're not consistent. And and that's something that anybody that works at Gorilla knows I lose sleep over. Like sometimes we use an Oxford comma, sometimes we don't. Like those little details though. I I remember there was a quote that my high school econ teacher had that that said countless unseen details are the difference between mediocre and magnificent. And I think when it comes to building a brand, that's so true. Um, People want to feel like they're part of something legit. And I think whenever you take your brand building internally as serious as you do externally, it it just makes people want to be a part of it. I think it makes you feel like you're a winner. I I, I don't know, Brendan. What what did what did I miss? Or do you have anything to add? Um,
2: one thing that I appreciate here is clear communication lines, especially from leadership. Um, it, Joe, it, our, from Joe and John, it's important that you guys, you know, you're always posting news about the company, right? You're transparent about financials. Like, I don't feel like I'm anything's held back for me just because I'm an employee. Um, so, it, and you, you treat us like adults. And so I think that is important to have it come from leadership. You know, Aaron, I think you're right. Like there might be a place for a marketer to say, Hey, I, I can help with the newsletter, but a lot of that content should be coming from leadership, right? If it's, you know, important company news and stuff like that. Like, and you know, bad news is uh doesn't get better with time either, right? Like don't keep us in the in you know in the dark if something bad's happening. Um so I, I just like I appreciate that as far as internal communication, just people being transparent and um you know, calling out when things are wrong quickly and fixing it quickly. Um, we, we, you know, it, it happens here at Grill. Like we make mistakes and we fix it quick um, because people are willing to be transparent about it and not like want to hide behind their, uh, their, your, their keyboards. Yep. Um, and we just, you, know, you guys have built that in from the start and it just helps us to feel comfortable where we're working.
1: Good. Glad you feel that way?
0: I think another thing when we're talking about internal like culture building is the benefits it has to you as a marketer. So I remember when I was in-house at an industrial company, like that transparency and like cross department communication really helped me do my job better because I knew what was new in engineering. And I had a good relationship with engineers because that's just how our company was built. And that helped me like talk about our products better in our like outward messaging too. I don't know, Brendan, if you had that same experience.
2: Yeah, I, I think silos just kill all creativity and momentum on projects, right? Like marketing is going to do their thing, and then engineers going to do their thing. Mary, you, I think we, you and me have talked about this countless times, right? Where engineering is like, we're going to make this really cool product, and then bring marketing in, and you know, at the uh, at the eleventh hour to build a program. It's like, well, that's not really good culture for marketing, and then engineering kind of falls flat because their project doesn't you know, doesn't sell well because marketing wasn't brought in the beginning to bring in customer insights and build out a marketing program in step with the engineering program, right? Mm -hmm. If those two teams would work together, you have a much better product on the end. Um, yeah. So like break, break those silos down between departments and get people talking. Um, one of my favorite things here is to talk to, you know, Nick, our videographer, uh, Alan, uh, the rest of our writing staff, um, like just to have those, like, I'm not a very creative person, but we have a lot of creative people here. And so like just having the opportunity to tap into people's brains and, you know, letting them have a say in the strategy and how we do things really makes my life a lot better because I'm not like, you know, the end all be all for strategy and creative. Like Alan's got great ideas. So why wouldn't I, Break that silo and work with them to get something that's going to work for the client, and it's the same thing I think when you're in the manufacturing side.
1: Totally
2: agree.
0: Yeah, welcome, Ellen. We-
2: <laughs> you're just your your uh, your face is right below mine. So yeah. <laughs> well, much We like being part of the conversation too. So yeah, yeah. thank you for that. Um.
0: We got a great question um, in the chat from Salim and I want to bring him on to ask it, but to kind of preface it, a, a big part of how we uh, build culture is through like uh, our social presence too. Like if you follow Gorilla, you know, all of our employees are are pretty active and, and Salim had a good question on that. Do you want to come on and ask?
1: Of course. Hello, everyone. My name is hey, Saleem. Uh Salim. Some of my favorite people to follow on LinkedIn are girl of 76 employees, especially Mary, her insight is amazing. Um, How uh, could you talk more about how that program uh, got into place? And as a follow up, could you help sell the idea to uh, a company uh, that sees this as a threat more than something that brings value and attracts talents? I've had Multiple awkward conversations in previous companies. And uh there has been a pattern. I hope you can address how you could sell that. Yeah. So I don't know that there's any better person to point out than than Mary Keo because and Mary, I don't I want to disclose too much. I won't say who you worked for before or whatever, but I believe part of the with frustration and maybe one of the reasons you wanted to come to Gorilla was because you had gotten some pushback about posting on LinkedIn and and the best part about Mary is like, look, Mary and I had to have a couple of conversations where clients would reach out and they're like, dude, she is like throwing our entire marketing program under the bus right now on LinkedIn. And I was like, that's her property and she has the right to do what she wants. And um, like, maybe, maybe instead of getting frustrated by it, you should read it and think about it. But Salim, to to answer your question, I think, first of all, the bigger thing to think about is... The two biggest channels, uh, at least from my from from the standpoint of this conversation, I think that we're involved in when it comes to to social is in in terms of culture, is our Instagram and our our LinkedIn. But they serve two completely different purposes. They're kind of doing the same thing in a few ways, but they're the 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 strategy is very different. Instagram, we are not trying to provide business advice on Instagram. I'm trying to show what the culture of working at Gorilla is. I'm trying to show the people. Uh, And by I, I mean, it's a team. We're trying to show the people. We're trying to show the things that excite us. We're trying to show what kind of stuff we're doing in the community. It's just a place to show pictures. People can scroll. I I don't have a big focus on education there. I'm not saying you can't use it that way, but I see a lot of agencies that, and again, I'm talking from an agency perspective. So maybe think about it, how it would apply to in, in the manufacturing world but i see a lot of agencies trying to almost in the b2b space try to get business on instagram and and again i'm not saying it's not possible but i just think for us it's been a much smarter play to show the culture off in terms of linkedin you know i think the biggest thing is it comes back to the core values when we hire we hire people that you know one of our core values is improvement we also have relationships uh I think kindness comes into play here because I don't really like it whenever um people get and, and LinkedIn is a pretty for the most part, it's a pretty safe space, so to speak. But sometimes people throw punches out there. Um but but with LinkedIn, it's it is not mandatory a gorilla. Um I think Joe and I are relatively progressive. Uh arguably we we lost a really talented employee. Mary Keo because of her involvement on LinkedIn. But who am I to try to keep her growth down? Um, if anything, we should be trying to help people as they go on on their careers. I was super excited for Mary whenever she got her opportunity, which I can only imagine gets traced back to her LinkedIn work. Um, I like to think that it's like anything else. it's It's probably like people who are in relationships and are, are possessive or whatever. It's like the shortcomings actually on your end. Like if I'm if I'm scared of Mary being out there in the in the in the on LinkedIn or wherever, then like maybe I need to be creating a better then she might get being poached. Maybe I should be creating a better workplace. So again, I realize not all business owners think like that. Um we have a lot of clients that like almost dis- not clients but in the past we've had some clients or people we've worked with that have discouraged their people from being online because they're afraid they're going to get poached but like if they're good they're going to get poached anyway um if you're not providing what you need to on your end so i guess um uh, i guess sorry i've been all over the board here but we just encourage it um, I want to see people again, it ties back to our c- core values of improvement. You know, if you're if you're trying to write about things, it kind of forces you to learn about them. So it's just a natural dovetail into what we're trying to do at Gorilla anyway. I, I, does, did that answer the question at, at all or did I talk totally around it? No, great answer. Thank you. Okay, cool. It It just puts in perspective that it's just you have to trust people. Yeah. And, and sorry, one thing I want, it's all, it's all volunteer at Gorilla. No one is forced to do it. Um, I think people have seen the career growth that others have had by participating and by trying to contribute. And so people have naturally wanted to get involved, but there's some, some folks at Gorilla that are just like, I'm not comfortable doing it. And that's totally fine. But if, if people want to do it, we want to create the best, we want to give them the resources they need to, to contribute. From my side, a personal anecdote here to like
2: to sell this and put a pin in it. The reason I'm at Gorilla is because of Matt Chanella and Mary posting on LinkedIn. I did not know about Gorilla before LinkedIn or before I saw those two, uh posting things like, Oh man, they know what they're talking about. And I want to learn from both of those two. And you know, then I get into the ecosystem and then you just get the you know the deluge of of content from Gorilla. Uh, but it's like, oh man, I love what they're putting out, and it's a place that I could see myself growing in. And I think it's worked out for both parties, you know, having Matt and Mary post on LinkedIn and then me joining here. So, um, you know, it's like, it's a way to like get your message out there and talk about what your company's all about. Um, and I don't know, how do you expect to grow your business if you're not going to talk about it where people yeah. are hanging out? Yeah. So it's, it's both for employees and for, you know,
1: opportunities. That's always tough too. There's that fine line, you know, and I have this conversation with people a lot. They're, like yeah but i i just don't want to be the person that's out there like bragging and you know and it it's kind of a fun, like well a i think if you're doing linkedin right and you're providing thought leadership that's not bragging that's helping um you're showing that you're learning that you're but but even sometimes if you need to share that you know your company won an award or whatever hey if if you don't tell the story it may never get told so sometimes you you have to be willing to to pat yourself on the bat a little or back a little. I think there's a way to do it where it's classy and is humble and um, is not kind of that like bro LinkedIn speak that <laughs> yeah. we see so often. Uh, and I, and I think for the most part gorilla does a pretty good job of that. Um, maybe there are times where we get a little cocky, but I don't know sometimes you sometimes you gotta have a little swag, I guess.
0: Nice, nice. Well, that kind of you already kind of covered off that that last point that I was, you know, hoping to hit in this conversation was how culture impacts your external marketing. And John kind of covered, you know, how we use LinkedIn versus Instagram and how like social media activity has helped recruit um certain employees and like build our brand that way. Do you have anything else to add about how um, culture has impacted like external marketing and recruitment? Not
1: necessarily. I, I think it's just that idea that, again, when you think of the core values of results, improvement, relationship, kindness, inclusivity, like if we adhere to all those things, we're going to attract pretty good people. Um, you know, I'll see an application come through and I'll see people who respond to the core value question and they have put thought into it. I mean they break down the core values they talk about each one they're they're talking about how they're really going to bring their best self to work and and how um you know how they're going to contribute and then I'll see other people provide two word answers to each one of those well which person is probably going to be better at building relationships kind or kindness uh, is dedicated on improvement like we want thoughtful people um so I think just baked into that hiring process, there, there's a lot of things where it, it all just kind of ties together. I don't. It, it's such a cop out of an answer, but it's it's kind of those things that it just it it is an ecosystem. It all ties together. Um, another simple thing, and and this is kind of related, kind of not, but if there was one thing that everyone could walk away with, it's like talk to your hiring managers or whoever it is, HR or whatever and figure out what that hiring process looks like. You know, you wanna have good onboarding, you wanna have good offboarding, you wanna have all those things. But six months after someone works there, build it into your process. This is the simplest thing that I see so many companies get wrong. Build it into your process to just send a new employee a note, No, no obligation, but hey, if you're willing, here's a link to Glassdoor, here's a link to Indeed. Uh, whatever whatever platforms make sense in your space, if you're willing to write a review, we always appreciate it about your employment experience. I don't ask people like to write it a certain way. As far as I know, they can tank it. That rarely happens. It's never happened. But what, what's so nice about that is you build up this big pool of positive reviews of people who are sharing what the culture is like. And then that way, when you have that one person that wants to come in and torpedo things, which is going to happen, it doesn't matter. You you could be the best workplace in the world. Someone's going to torpedo because they didn't get the second interview or whatever. Well, you've already got 50, 75 positive reviews built up. Can't tell you the number of of companies we'll start working with um, or just companies in general. I'll Google search and you see their Google reviews pop up right there. And it's like, Two stars, three reviews, they could be the best company in the world. But because they haven't been proactive about doing these things, that's the story that the world sees. This is a two star company and these people had a bad experience. So, again, going back to that idea of intentionality, just building these processes in, it's so simple. Like it's probably just another, for us, we use a, pro- a project management tool called Clickup. It's one little line item that we add in. You know, after six months, send me a reminder to reach out to this person and say, hey, would you consider writing a review for us? Yeah. I would like I would like to turn us back onto the marketing side, John. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. And, you know, so like we're talking about the management, right? A lot of times I see this, you know, building trust and demonstrating your expertise, and we do that through content a lot of times here, right? Through video and written content. What do you see as effective types of content to help build out that culture story that Gorilla has? I have some ideas, but I want to hear from you first.
1: Yeah, I think just off the top of my head, I would say. For us, it's showcasing anything that ties back to our core values. That's always the litmus test. I think somebody, uh, I think it was Mary posted. I was trying to look at the, the chat as well as pay attention. Uh, but like anytime we had a question or needed a litmus test, it was always like, well, what, what would the core values drive us to do here? Um, Brendan, I'm sorry. Ask it one more time. I yeah, make so sure.
2: is there any... Any like specific content on the website or that we've done on, on, you know, social media that she does like, like, this is like good good content for culture building, you know, externally so people can see.
1: One thing I always try to do is like, I always tell applicants, you can talk to anyone in our company. You have our team page. You can talk to anyone in the company. We don't hide anyone. Um. In that same vein, and they're taking time to roll out just because cobbler's kids have no shoes, right? Like Nick, <laughs> our video guy is only one guy and he only has so much time. And we have we have client work we have to do, but we're trying to create actual video bios for every single employee. Um, we're working our way through those, we're probably doing one every two or three months at this point. But that's a great piece of content. Like yeah. these people are on camera. They're talking about what it's like to work at Gorilla, what they find value in, etc and like that's just one little example of of something that comes to mind but w- what, what were you thinking yeah, i think th- those videos were were big for me too um
2: i enjoyed seeing like who am i going to be working with but i think one of the scariest things about going to a new company is i don't know anybody i don't like they look nice on the outside but it's like i don't know who any of these people are in real life especially like in a remote setting like i'm not I, I didn't meet you guys until like a year into working at Group. yeah, you know and so um I, the videos were cool um the uh manifesto that we have on the mm-hmm. careers page was really big for me and then <laughs> we have our uh, employee manual our handbook yeah. right like on an html page so super easy to see like you can scroll through and look at the benefits and the time off and all like that's huge uh on the application um there's I- a salary range You know, it's like, we talk about like being uh, transparent with pricing when you're, you know, trying to talk to uh, opportunities and prospects. Well, you know, we're recruiting prospects, right? So like having a salary range on there is, is huge. Um, I think those are like the biggest things for me on the website that really helped put me over the edge of like feeling really comfortable about moving forward
1: in the process with Gorilla. Yeah. And I I love that you mentioned those that kind of got me thinking about two others on our careers page. And and we're going to Dive into this even deeper, kind of on the next version of our careers page. But I, I love when there's a testimonial of whatever sort, and I think it's totally fine to put a name and a quote and whatever. But we just drive people straight to Glassdoor. You want to know what people think about working at Gorilla? Go here. This is mm-hmm. this is the this is a property we cannot control. Um, you are seeing what it's really like. Um, so that's been great. And then another thing, like in, in kind of the same vein as the handbook, the manifesto, we also, and I think this is what I love so much about, at least always talks about, there's like an inherent goodness about the people that work at Gorilla. But we had, I think it was Alan, actually. I know he wrote it. Um, I I believe, but I think he was the champion of it, Alan, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like, hey, writing, following good journalistic principles is is really important um, important. I want to document what our code of ethics is when we write content, when we do marketing work. And so sharing that, I mean, that again, is yeah. a piece of the brand that again shows that like, we really do take this stuff seriously. Um, I'm sure we've had clients in the past that we have frustrated because they wanted to run something, but we're like, guys, this is not, we're not here to write promotional co- content. We're here to write educational content that helps people and this does not line up with our code of ethics. So we will not do it. Uh, I think those are things that indirectly are marketing pieces yeah, for the right type of people. Right. Um, there's probably going to be a lot of people that are turned off by that. They want to come in and do the smoke and mirrors and old school Madison Avenue type of stuff. And I mean, that's fine, but that's not who we want yeah. at Gorilla.
2: Yeah. It's like pre qualifying yourself as a good client there. Yeah. Another thing we talk about on demand generation marketing is reporting and analytics. How do you track that on the culture HR side?
1: Yeah, oh, well, here, get ready. Because (laughs) there's a little tool I like that I have talked ad nauseum about and I'm not on their payroll, I swear, but it's called Office Vibe. It's a country out of, or country, a company out of Montreal. It is employment engagement software. I cannot report how it works for a manufacturing company because you really need, it would work great in the front office or, um, and if your employees all have email addresses that they check, but essentially what it is, and you can change the settings of it, but it's a once a week survey. We have almost, we almost always have 100% participation rate. Sometimes if someone's traveling or, or whatever, they may not get to that week survey. They're very short surveys. You can probably answer one in 30 seconds. The UX is beautiful, so it's actually fun to take these. This is not like a survey monkey type of deal. But over time, it gives me all the metrics. It it, it essentially measures 10 10 categories, like a dashboard. Things like relationship with peers, relationship with managers, uh, employee net promoter score, all these things. And over time, it gives you a massive data set of how you're doing. I like this because what I see a lot of companies do is the once a year survey, you know, the week they do that half the time there it's because of like a best places to work survey. So guess what? Everybody's getting pizza and whatever, you know, Hawaiian shirt day on Friday. We're really going to make everybody excited to work here. And then it's just not accurate data. It's one snapshot in time. I want, I want 52 snapshots over the course of the year of what it's like to work at our company. Anyway, that data has been, oh my God. I, I mean, I I didn't even think about this. I should have shown, I would have, I'm happy to always pull back the curtain. If anybody wants to reach out and see what this tool's like, I'll show you how we've used the data. But I mean, we have made, we have had to make, we've made termination decisions based on this data because of feedback we're getting of, you know, you're watching You're looking at the X and Y axis and all of a sudden you're going like this and all of a sudden you're also getting anonymous feedback. There's an anonymous portion and and there are like major signs that something is broken. Well, we can try to correct it. You can get on the performance improvement plan early, uh, but you also are kind of ahead of it so you can make those decisions before they become too troublesome and run other people out of the organization. But there are other tools than Office Vibe that offer a similar product but if i had one tool to use as an as someone trying to build culture that would be it hmm.
0: great great um we're getting close to the uh the end of our time here there were a couple of good questions that i don't know if we'll have time to answer um fully but we'll probably bring those into slack like how do you manage a culture when you're remote? I feel like that could be probably its own entire episode, but that was a really good question from Kelly. Um, So I kind of want to transition into our final thoughts, you know, John, Brendan, other members of the strategy team. If you had to leave everyone in this conversation with one takeaway, what would it be?
1: Uh, I'll go first. Yeah. Listen to your people. I mean that that that. Well, I'm gonna give you two. Sorry, listen <laughs> to your people and actually live your core values. I think if you, which probably if you listen to your people, you're gonna be living your core values. So let's just go back to one: live your core values, build them into everything you do, uh, really follow them. And if if you did the process right of kind of unearthing them, things are gonna go well. I would say don't
2: complicate it. Right, like you know how to run demand gen programs. We've been talking about it for a year, so just. Transition it into culture HR and do the same thing, right? So talk to people, build your foundation, create content, distribute that content. And there you go. That's your culture program.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty simple. Um, real quick, I and Kelly, please reach out to me. However, um, LinkedIn, email me, John J O N at Gorilla76.com. Happy to talk about the remote culture building. I would say the simplest thing there is again, that idea of being intentional. Have channels for people to communicate. I try to reach out to every employee at Gorilla once a week, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's a phone call, sometimes it's a text, sometimes it's a Slack message. Um, We have Office Vibe in place, super intentional with how we use Slack and creating a ton of different channels for fun stuff, work stuff. Uh, We have clients involved in it now on certain channels. So I mean, there's a variety of things, but I'm ha- I'm happy to talk about it for anyone who's who's wondering.
0: Nice, nice. Any other gorillas have uh parting thoughts or or takeaways they want to share?
1: Sure. Um, hello, everybody. This is Moby. I joined Gorilla about three months ago, and the one thing I learned in this process was, even through other interviews, you can't hide or pretend. You can't hide a bad culture, and you can't pretend that you have a good one. Constantly throughout this process, I just had really small but consistent and frequent re- green flags in the process. And for Gorilla. And then on the other side, I saw small, mini, but frequent red flags in some other companies. It's just, you can't pretend that it's good when it's bad. And you can't hide the fact that it's good at all. It just comes through and it shines through for prospective. Yeah. Employees. Like building off that, movie. it's something that. I think a lot of times when it comes to hiring and 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 I th- it's it's very it can be very dangerous but I think you know as much as we're often told you got to look beyond just trusting your gut when it comes to hiring and culture and I don't know I almost want to argue with that sometimes because when my gut has told me like eh, I don't know but we've still done it anyway it's typically backfired. And, and once I've talked with everyone after the dust has settled, whatever, they kind of all felt the same way. So you got to be careful. There's a fine line between intuition and anxiety. But like listen to that, listen to that voice because something something's telling you. And it may be something it's just some little thing that happened and, and some life experience in your past has told you, like, oh wait, be careful. You know, this little part of me is telling me to watch out for this. Trust your gut.
0: I was just going to hop in here and say, I feel like a lot of what we've talked about is at the company level. Um, And it's very difficult to change culture from the bottom up if you aren't, you know, the John of a company, the owner of a company. Um, But what you do have control over if you're a marketing leader is the culture you're creating and fostering within your team. Um, And the culture you're creating specifically around when people make mistakes, um, risk tolerance, things like that can really affect the like, and product you're able to produce as a team from a marketing perspective. So um all of these lessons are actionable even if you don't <clears throat> have a direct line to leadership or like if you're managing anyone if you have a team a lot of these same principles can apply.
1: And and you're that's so good grace and you, and you're going to screw up. I mean god I've worked with grace since she was an intern. um I've screwed up many times trying to manage Grace. The best thing I've learned about managing Grace is don't try to manage Grace. I thought you were about just to let say. Grace do her thing.
0: so many times. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> but I mean, no, I screwed up because I used to think you got to rule with an iron fist. You got to like, and, and man, I couldn't have been more wrong. Everyone needs to be managed differently. Some people need that iron fist. Some people need the space to just kind of explore and make mistakes. And I, I had a guest on, on a podcast recently which if anyone's interested in more on this topic I we just launched a podcast called the manufacturing employer where i'm just having the culture builders within manufacturing companies come on and talk about what's working what's not working um you know etc but his, his quote was you have to look at mistakes as tuition you've you've paid the price just like you did for a college course now you can either skip the rest of those classes Where you can go and learn from the price you've paid and don't make the mistake again. And I I think that's such a brilliant way to look at it. We're all gonna screw up. We're probably all gonna make a mistake today, two or three of them, just learn from it. I mean, that's all you can do. And I think that's been the biggest lesson for me in building the culture at Gorilla.
0: Awesome. Well, those are some great parting thoughts. Um, I have one more parting
1: thought. Can I add one more? I'm sorry, it's very short. And Peyton may get mad at me for doing this because she never likes us to try to sell anything. And I'm not selling, but we are hiring three positions right now. A strategist, a project manager. Uh, well, a project manager is still a couple weeks out and a long form writer. So if anyone here knows anyone in the manufacturing space that they think would be a fit, please connect me. That's it. That's that's the hardest sell you're getting all day. from me, <laughs> From me.
0: Nice. I'll nice. allow it. Yeah. Well, that's a good transition because we do have a channel in Slack where we, you know, post job opportunities. This is your invitation to join us in Slack. We have a community um, where we ask questions, give advice, share funny memes, things like that. Um, so if you'd like to join, just let us know in the chat and we'll we'll get you in that community. Um, our next IML, Peyton, will be back and she would police you, John, if you were, you know, trying to make a hard sell then. But Um, we'll be talking to another member of our team, Grace Halverson. She's a novelist, a manufacturing writer, and she's going to be discussing how to use a story effectively in your marketing strategy and build a brand narrative. So really excited for that conversation. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll see you in Slack until next time.
2: Thanks everyone. It's good to see you.
1: Thank you.